Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report with your host, me, Rich Ferraro. And uh, it's Sunday the 30th of October, as if it's not bad having Monday-itis anyway. Forest fans will not be going to bed happy this evening after a 5-0 defeat away at the Emirates Stadium as Arsenal basically cemented their place at the top of the table uh, by scoring four second-half goals and, frankly, blowing Forest absolutely out of the water. In a minute, we're going to hear from Tom, who was at the game. But first of all, we'll go through the team news. And it's pretty simple team news for Forrest today. There was just the one change. Nico Williams dropped out from left back so that the more natural uh, left-sided defender, Renan Lodi, could come in on the, uh, in the into the back four. So we had Henderson in goal, Aurier and Lodi at full-back with Cook and McKenna at centre-half. Remo Freuler is the number six with Yates and Kiyate either side. And Taiwo are one year supported by Morgan Gibbs-White and Jesse Lingard. Now, Tom, did you have a wonderful day out in London today? Uh, no, not really. If you look at the the result, I just uh, say a bit similar to the Man City game, um, really. I, I thought... After the last couple of games, I thought we've actually cracked it in, in terms of, I'm not saying like we're going to go on like a winning spree, but I thought after the um, Brighton game and the Liverpool game, we might have like got to grips with the uh, intensity of the Premier League, etc. But And I thought, keep them quiet for the first 20 minutes and try and build on that, but five minutes um, five minutes um, in and we're already 1-0 down. Yeah, so... I got the impression, I'm just, I will come to the goal in a second, but just taking the first half as a whole, I got the impression that Steve Cooper's game plan was probably to replicate what Forrest did away at Brighton. And of course, in the first half at Brighton, it looked absolutely horrendous, was not inspiring. You were really depressed after that. So God knows how you feel this evening. Um, 
But the trouble is, is that Forrest did concede after five minutes. Now, you could argue it was a good cross by Bukayo Saka. You could argue it was a brave header by Gabriel Martinelli to put into the bottom corner. But every single stage of that, from when we gave the ball away near the edge of our own box, through to that, it was preventable, wasn't it? Yeah. It's it's like when you look back, Martinelli's ran past a few forest players because he's had to come from the left-hand side. And you know what Saka's going to do? He's... I know he's relatively young, but he's made a career out of it so far where he would just jink on to his left foot, put a cross in, and obviously you're going to get a runner across the um, the first man or whatever. And that, that happened. And, uh, yeah, Lodi's let uh, Saka come inside too easily. Um, I think it's Freuler who should have been, or who didn't pick Martinelli up, and he's got in front of, uh, I think it's Cook or McKennan. It's 1-0 in there. And you think, oh, here we go again. Um, but... As the game went on in the first half, it wasn't great, but I thought after that first set, um, well, the early setback, I thought Forrest actually uh, dealt with them. I mean, there was a hairy moment when one was cleared off the line, but I thought Forrest like, dealt with them okay. And you just think, well, just try and do the same in the second half, but obviously it didn't happen. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that in the first 10 minutes, even before they scored, Arsenal were really trying to hit us hard and high. They were pressing us high up um, into the forest half and and it was causing all kinds of problems. And, you know, it's very much a rear guard action. Now, a rear guard action against a team like Brighton, who, um, you know, don't have a natural forward. And, and although they've got Leandro Trossard, who's having a good season, they don't have a huge amount of goal threat. You can get away with it there, can't you? Um, against Arsenal, who are top of the league, and um, even though they've uh, not been winning by the same margins, they have still consistently been getting results. So, you know, you don't get to the top of the league by accident. In the first 10 minutes, it looked like it was going to be a landslide. So it's actually quite a pleasant surprise when, in I guess, from after about 20 minutes, Forrest did make a fist of it, didn't they? Yeah, they had, a, they had like a couple of openings, um, etc. But there was a, I think there was a five or ten minute period where um, we actually got in the faces a bit. I think um, Gibbs White put in a bit of a crunching uh, challenge on um, uh, Xhaka. Um, there was a couple of challenges on um, Jesus and Martinelli and uh, etc. And you think, yeah, you got to compete, but after the set. Um, have to come out for the second half. They just didn't do that. They just basically they may, like I said, it was a bit like the Man City game. They may as well have put the red carpet out for them and had a guard and on them because I just think when I'm going to um, these away grounds at the moment, I know we've only played um, Arsenal and Man City who are basically top four away from home, but it's like they're giving them too much respect. And I think okay, we're not going to have the quality to match them, but just ruffle a few feathers, just get in the faces and. Yates tried to do it with uh, Xhaka a couple of times, where he's tried to give them like a nudge, etc. But yeah, I think it was too nicey nice uh, today. And it's just, you've you got to compete in the Premier League if quality is against you, if that makes sense. Mm. And and you you did mention there, there's that little spell of about five, ten minutes where Forrest were, looked like they were going to have a go. And, and there was a particular moment. So one nil down and um, the ball went down the right hand side and it kind of went into the into the middle of the box Jesse Lingard he received the ricochet he went to hit it kind of uh, low and true and 
it was blocked by, I think, by Gabriel Magalhaes um, in the defence. So it was blocked at source. And you can't help but thinking that was the chance. We've, something we've talked about so many times. That was the chance. Yeah, exactly. You just don't know which way the game was going to go because it might have frustrated Arsenal fans and they might have got on the back of the players. But uh, no, that was the only real opening. And we had, I think, Lingard actually had a shot in the first half, which went wide. But yeah, apart from that, nothing. But too many players are like taking too many touches. We, we did get into some decent openings, but is that one touch too many or a bit uh, hesitant with the pass and everything? There was a couple of times, I don't want to just single him out because there was not a lot of um, great performances out there today, obviously. But Gibbs White had a couple of opportunities of obviously playing somebody and it's that touch too many. They get an extra man behind the ball and then you've got to go back and and yeah, we yeah, we're just not quick enough with the ball again. Um but like I says in the last couple of games you thought that Forest would turn in a corner. Mm. And um the Midland said on the um on the group chat that we're back to square one and like you come back from the game and you think, oh, I won't go that far, but on reflection it is because you think that you're putting things in place. Then you watch the game back and on the highlights, etc. And we're just like shoot yourself in the foot, and you're still making the same mistakes where you think you've got them out of your system in the last couple of weeks. And but um, yeah, what is it? Minus twenty goals now. Um, yeah. And the next two games are crucial because we're not getting many points on the road, and our home form's been it's been patchy, hasn't it? Um, those two games against uh, Fulham and uh, Bournemouth, they were the, the ones which were like, put a spotlight on our season where we should have won those games. Then obviously we've had a, an okay bit of form um, in terms of the last um, two games against um, Brighton and Liverpool. Then we'll come back crushing down to earth. Then the next two games before the World Cup, we've got to get maximum points. Um, or four, I think four points will be okay, but we've got to look for maximum points because if you, if it, we come back after the World Cup and you're obviously uh, caught adrift, then it's going to be uh, uphill struggle for the rest of the season. Well, we will come back to some of that a little bit later on, along with Steve Cooper's assessment of the game. Now, unfortunately for you, Tom, we do need to talk about the second half because we'd mentioned Bukayo Saka early on, and he'd actually suffered from injury um, quite early on after a, a challenge with Renan Lodi. Now, I'm not entirely sure how much of a foul it was. I think Saka landed quite heavily. And so he was substituted after 20-something minutes. Um, and and Reese Nelson, a bit of a forgotten man, really, um, uh, to, well, I guess if you're not an Arsenal fan, he's a bit of a forgotten man. Um, he had actually apparently spent last season on loan at Feyenoord, which I never realised. So he came on on the 27th minute to replace Bukayo Saka and play on the right of Arsenal's kind of front three. And, you know, he got his goal very early on in the second half. And although he showed real twinkle toes and he created the chance for himself, um, he cut inside and... Because he'd feigned his shot when the ball came in from the left-hand side. He'd feigned his shot and he'd basically taken, I think it was uh, McKenna and Freuler out the game by feigning to shoot. Then cut inside on his left foot and then from there he shot. And it was a relatively powerfully struck but lacking in direction type of shot. And Henderson saved it, but he spilled it straight back into Nelson's path. 
on his stronger right foot. He then made no mistake. He hit it really hard and into the top corner above the head of Steve Cook, who's on the line. So again, you kind of say, well, decent finish, but utterly preventable. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to be like single players out, but Dean Henderson's got um, international aspiration playing for England. I don't think he's going to get into the World Cup squad because of obviously the uh, three keepers in front of him in terms of Ramsdale, who was at the other end today, Pickford and Pope. But I've looked back on it and in the Premier League, you should expect him to obviously power that away from goal and he's just powered it straight into Reese Nelson's path and he's just hit it in top corner. So, yeah, again, another yet again preventable goal. And I'll I was expecting a bit more from Henderson there. He should have like powered it away. I, I'm not a goalkeeper, and I will never say I am a goalkeeper, but looking at that, um, you'd expect a Premier League goalkeeper to power it away from uh, the danger zone. Mm. And then just three minutes later, Nelson got his second goal. Um, Martin Erdegaard on the right-hand side cuts the ball in. Nelson kind of does a, a very deft kind of uh, flick to put it, passed across the goal, passed Henderson into the bottom bottom corner. That's one where you can't blame the keeper. But again, it just, it just felt soft, didn't it? Yeah, he got in front of um, Ryan Yates. Whether Ryan Yates is obviously just a lack of concentration for that split second and got punished for it. But yeah, he's got in front of Yates. And if it's the other way around, Yates gets himself between uh, man and ball and either clears it away or obviously doesn't get a touch on him, then it might be mopped up by whoever's uh, behind him, but he got in front and 3-0 and it's basically, well, it was, it's game over at 2-0, but 3-0, it's definitely game over, isn't it? Especially against Arsenal at the Emirates. Yeah, actually, I was going to, I was going to mention that. So when Nelson scored his first and Arsenal's second, four minutes into the second half, now, I wasn't at the ground, but I was thinking, okay, that's it. This is going to be it's going to be a tough afternoon, and I did have visions of Man City at the ground. Did you have that same feeling? Yeah, because they they come out with a point to prove second half, and we just never laid a glove on them. Um, by um, by, like say, I think it was fifty fifth minute when the third goal went in, or something like that. It was game over. Um, it was basically a damage limitation exercise from them. Um, my dad basically says this could be how they were coming at us and, and punishing us um, with the uh, pockets of space we was leaving. Yeah, my dad says this could be six or seven very easily because they just kept cutting through us um, at will, um, really. Yeah. And um, so Nelson scored on 49 and 52 minutes and on 57 minutes came what is the goal of the match? And I'd say, I mean, this is one of those whereby you want to look at it from as many angles as possible. Thomas Partey um, coming onto the ball uh, towards the kind of edge of the D kind of area, 25-ish maybe yards out. And um, you look at the flight of the ball, it goes, curls outside of the goal and then back into the top corner. And um, for all that Henderson was culpable earlier for Nelson's goal, there's no keeper in the world's going to stop that one, is he? That's just a really tremendous hit, isn't it? Yeah, but again, he's on the edge of the box, no pressure on him. And as soon as the ball come out to him, because he scored a very similar goal at the other end against Spurs earlier in the season, and as soon as it's come out to him, I thought, this is um, 4-0. And he's lashed it in top corner. I mean, OK, Henderson's got um, no chance with it, but there's a sincere lack of pressure on him. He's basically 
he, he could pick his corner basically, and that's what he's done in four nil. And yet again, uh, we're on our way <laughs> to a another away thrashing. Yeah, um, let's just skip ahead because Arsenal did have more shots and more chances and so on. Um, and uh, in terms of in terms of the match stats, I think. Um, what I'd say is that it is as sobering as you'd expect. So 69% possession to Arsenal. Uh, they had 24 shots compared to Forrest's five, and 10 of those were on target compared to Forrest only having two on target. And one of those was the Lingard shot that we mentioned earlier. And I think there was a very tame effort by Freuler, which was pretty easy for um, uh, for for Aaron Ramsdale to gather. Um so yeah, Arsenal Arsenal were dominant, and let's skip forward to seventy eight minutes. Can Martin Erdegaard, who has who's Arsenal's captain and has become uh, a bit of a talisman for them, and he kind of got into the uh, got into the box, and he he did hit a really nice shot at the end of it. But again, Forrest just stood off, and they didn't challenge. There was nothing. It's they they'd given up, hadn't they? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not a nice way to uh, to put it, but yeah, the the through the towel in at that point. I mean, we, we've had games, obviously not at the same level, but when you're playing like a, against a more superior team, and they're just knocking the ball around, and physically and mentally you're knackered, aren't you? And when that sixth goal went in, it was just a matter of time, and you just think, well. Um, yeah, the fifth goal. Yeah, it was just a matter of time, wasn't it? When uh, after the fourth went in, the fifth was going to come in because Forrest was just chasing shadows at that point. Yeah, I mean, for, for what it's worth, uh, at fifty-six minutes, I think um, I can't remember if it was just before. I think it was just before uh, Thomas Partey scored his goal. Uh, Forrest had made a double change, so Gibbs White and Lingard came off for Brennan Johnson and Emmanuel Dennis, and it was. I mean, you mentioned Gibbs White <laughs> putting that nasty challenge in on Xhaka, which is one of those whereby you don't want to, in the olden days, it wasn't a foul, but it very was, definitely was a yellow card in this day and age. But I thought that Gibbs White had his um, poorest game in a Forest shirt since he's joined, didn't you? Yeah, his passing was well off. I mean, it wasn't just a bit off, it was, it was well off. It was like... And yeah, he he wasn't at the races, and um, I thought in the, in previous games he's probably like trying a bit too hard to justify the whatever price tag uh, we've paid for him. But um, yeah, I mean he wasn't the only one who had a poor game today. But uh, from the creative um, source, yeah, he, he was unfortunately he was absolutely no how today. Mm. Um, just let's just talk about the other subs. So at four 0 down, Nico Williams came on at left back for Renan Lodi, and Joe Worrell came on for Taiwo Awanyi, which meant we went to a kind of a five three two with Johnson and Dennis as the forwards. I mean, if ever there's a case of, you, you know, there's planned substitutions, and then there's well, what's the blooming point in there? So yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's shutting the horse, shutting the door after after the horse has bolted, bolted isn't it? Um, yeah. And then, just for the record as well, uh, Lewis O'Brien came on on 81 minutes. I guess it was just to give him, probably a planned substitution to give him a few minutes, but what difference did it make, really? Um, so we have to say that it was a horrendous day at the office, and it was a game that finished 5-0 to Arsenal. The 1865 Match Report. 
Welcome back to the 1865 Match Report. Now, we've given you uh, some of the match facts. And uh, Tom, just while we're having um, in the break there, you were telling me something about Forrest's uh, Brazilian left-back Renan Lodi. Uh, do you want to share that again with us? Uh, yeah, well, and another thing, just because you're Brazilian doesn't mean you're world-class. Um, so Renan Lodi's made five starts of Forrest. Forrest have conceded 19 goals. And average minutes per goal conceded is 21 minutes. Ouch. Um, yeah. And it's a strange one. I put Lodi in the same category as Remo Freuler um, a few weeks ago, where I was going, I think there's something there, but what they have to do is get up to speed with the Premier League. Now, that's probably pretty difficult if you're a defender. Um, yeah. So... I will um, say that it's not been going well for Ren and Lodi. I have no idea if that's going to be something he can overcome. I don't think he's a bad player. I'm just not sure that he's able to get to grips with the Premier League. Yeah, it's a bit like Lingard as well. Um, he, I think um, Baz said it a couple of weeks ago or, um, that he's basically a confidence player. And if he's not getting much of the ball, then he just he's putting the effort in trying to get the ball and close down and everything. But Jesse Lingard's quality is on the ball and we don't have the ball enough to see that quality. Yeah, and what I'd say is um, that against Liverpool, Lingard, he showed he's a player who needs to play with a smile on his face. And if he's not doing that, you know, if that first half effort had gone in, then we might have seen something different. But equally, if he'd already scored a goal this season, then that first half effort, he probably would have hit it with a bit more direction, a bit more power, he would have been less likely to hit the first defender, don't you think? Um, yeah, pretty much. He just, I think with Lingard, he just needs a goal from somewhere just to like just give him that kick start because the knives are going to be out looking at his first career. He hasn't really made many assists, if any, and he hasn't scored any goals yet, and that's going to be like the mark next to his name if he's been a success or not, and. And we know he's got quality there because obviously he's shown it in the past when he was at Man U uh, representing England and West Ham. But yeah, we just don't see enough of the ball for him to obviously thrive on that quality, what he has got. Mm. Um, Earlier on, I did say we'll um, hear what Steve Cooper had to say. So this is what he said in his post-match interview. Well, the the situation we're in, the the bare minimum that we need in every game is um, is to fight. You know, regardless of uh, of tactics and, and anything else, and I just thought we were um, not strong enough in the duels, not competitive enough, didn't run enough. Um, Arsenal obviously are a really good team and topped the league for for a reason, um, but to give them the the freedom to play and the um, you know, like I said, the lack of fight in the duels was um, 
we've only got ourselves to blame. I mean, OK, we got off to a poor start and, uh, and go 1-0 down, which was against the game plan and how we let them get the cross in. Um, and we were OK then for the rest of the, the first half. It was the, how we thought the game would, would look and we were starting to get a little bit of um, threat in, in the game, a couple of good set pieces and... Um, I know so some some efforts on on goal, but then you know the start of the second half is just um, just something you cannot do in, in any game of football, especially in, in this league. And like I said, it came down to the non-negotiables of of wanting to run, wanting to fight, and, and not get beat. And um, you know the game was took away from us quickly in the second half because of that. So, Tom, what I would say there is that there's two things that strike me. Number one is it confirms what we talked about in part one of of this match report, which is that the game plan was, okay, let's try and contain Arsenal in the first half. And uh, yeah, so he was annoyed about conceding that goal. But overall, Forrest stuck to that game plan in the first half. But in the second half, the game plan went out the window because of what Steve Cooper called the non-negotiables. And you alluded to earlier, which is that the players just weren't working hard enough. They 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 downed tools, um, maybe not deliberately, but they just weren't doing the stuff that they need to do. Forrest will need to be playing at, towards the top of their game every single week to have a chance of getting points in any game in this division. And... Just like you mentioned against Man City, I mean, Leicester's the obvious comparison as well. The players didn't do enough. And I'd mentioned Gibbs White, probably his worst game in a Forest shirt. I would say same for, for loads of players, actually. Remo Freuler comes comes to mind as well. We've seen other players who've had bad games, but Remo Freuler did not look like an international midfielder. You look at the fact that he was playing against his international midfield teammate in Granite Xhaka, and um, you just look at the fact that they they just look as if they don't even look as if they're playing the same sport today, did they? No. And I mean, 3,000 Forest fans paid the money, etc. And we tried to like um, back them as much as we can. But yeah, when the goals are just keep um, going past you and everything, you, even the fans started to lose heart um, in certain aspects of the second half where... You're trying to support them and chant and everything, but yeah, you're not seeing that replicated on the pitch. And it's just the bare minimum, especially in the Premier League, is compete. And like Steve Cooper alluded to in his post-match interview with the BBC, we just didn't do that. And by the hour mark, game was well and truly gone. Now, Steve Cooper was pretty annoyed. And in fact, Radio Nottingham made the point, you wouldn't have heard this because you're obviously still in London at this moment, but um, Radio Nottingham making the point that he looked fed up. It's not very often, you know, he's a fairly even-tempered guy, isn't he? He doesn't get too high when he wins and doesn't get too low when he loses. But he was not in a good mood after the game today. Um, does that give you any solace? Um, yeah, well, it's a hard one. Even though when they went in for um, half-time, he's like, well, regroup and everything. Okay, we're 1-0 down and everything. But, yeah, everything what was would have been mentioned in the... Um, half-time break, he's just been thrown out the window and it's just like you, you'd look at those players and you think what's the point in saying anything if you're going to do your own thing and not listen to i.e. the manager and Steve Cooper do your own thing and like I said within 15 minutes of the second half, game's well and truly gone, so yeah uh, you'd be banging your head against a brick wall you, you put things in place and not 
not to do this, but do this, etc. And if the players aren't doing that, you you, you would sound disheartened um, after the game, uh, regardless of who you're playing against, if the players are not uh, obeying to your instructions, what you've uh, given. Mm. Um, I just want to come on to something that you mentioned to me um, before we started recording uh, this podcast, which is that... Um, as a fan, you felt a little bit annoyed by seeing the reactions of some players at, at, at the final whistle. And in fact, and in fact of Steve Cooper, because obviously there's quite a lot of players there who who know each other, maybe from the England setup and so on. So tell tell us tell tell our listeners what you told me. Yeah, so at the end of the game, um Steve Cooper embraced uh, Reese Nelson. And I know Steve Cooper's very much, like I said, you can't do any wrong in a lot of Forest players, um, or sorry, a lot of Forest fans' eyes uh, with obviously what he's achieved and everything. And I know he's got like um, a lot of plaudits from um, his time with England. With the, But yeah, he was embracing um, Reese Nelson at the end. And yeah, Morgan Gibbs White's having like cracking jokes with players and everything and well from Arsenal and yeah it's just like it's thrown back in your face we've just like been stood there for 90 minutes watching them get well and truly beaten and we haven't competed I mean yeah if you want to do that thing do it down the tunnel but yeah just don't do it in front of the Forest fans who have obviously travelled all that way on a Sunday afternoon etc paid good money and we haven't had our money's worth out of it and we've seen as being well and truly beaten and yeah like I said I don't want to be critical of Steve Cooper because I'm like most Forest fans I'm thankful for everything he's done in getting us into this position but um, yeah just do it behind closed doors I down the tunnel and not on the pitch when obviously majority of Forest fans are still there at the end because of the the bare minimum um obviously uh, we wanted forest to compete today and they haven't done it then obviously as we've mentioned we don't want to single players out but gibbs white's had his poorest game in a forest shirt and his cracking jokes at the end which if you put that much effort in cracking and jokes at the end as your performance we might have been a bit better off but uh but yeah we've um yeah as a team today it's been a very very poor day um down in uh, london yeah, bad optics, I believe, is the phrase. Now, let's hear from some opposition fans. Uh, Tom appeared on the Away Gooners preview show, and here's what they had to say after today's game. Hello, guys. Uh, this is Bob here from the Away Gooners podcast. Contrary to the scoreline, it was a game of two halves. The first half, although we did score an earlier goal, um, you know, it was a pretty even game, I should say, until halftime. And in fact, I would go on to say the scoreline could have been much different had Lingard converted his chance. That was probably one of the key moments, I think, which which Forrest really missed um, going into the second half. Because had he really scored that goal, he was in a wonderful position, as we all saw. Um, but but he quite couldn't, you know, convert that to a goal. Um but that was actually the closest that Forrest ever came into the game. But then if I look into the second half, you know, it's, it's quite blatant fact that, you know, the game was pretty much disastrous. Um, you you were completely unorganized. And, and whatever that um, Forrest worked on, you know, the Liverpool game last weekend was completely let go and it was all one-way traffic. In fact, um, it came to a point where Arsenal were 
sort of, you know, playing around um, in your D-box area and they could have even scored more than had they been more clinical. Um, so that that was actually the thoughts on the game. It almost felt like everyone, um, every one of the Forest players were pretty much having an off day and none of them could really, you know, make anything click. And, and on the contrary, the Arsenal players were completely on a roll and everything that they were doing were actually sort of, you know, ticking in the box. Um, Odegaard and Partey, you know, they pretty much controlled the whole game, I felt. And they had more time and space on the ball that they, they could do literally anything with the game. Um, it's As an Arsenal fan, I, I probably felt that, you know, um, the only thing which lacked in this whole game um, is the fact that Jesus, with all the things that he were doing on the pitch, still couldn't get a goal. If I had to reflect um, what's Forest chances, um, you know, towards the end of the season, I say that it would be pretty much tough for you guys to actually stay up in the league. I mean, as much as the fact that I want for us as a historical club to be in the league, um, you know, they are such a beautiful team to watch. Um, still, it's going to be pretty tough, I would say, because um, every other team, you know, who are actually with them in the lower half of the table are sort of, you know, picking up points. Everton, Leicester, like, you know, they are, they are sort of um, there. Um, so for the fortunes to be, you know, completely turning into our favor, you know, you have to be um, making the right things and then possibly not lose concentration, just like how you did with Arsenal over the weekend. You have to be pretty much holding on to your things um, through the 90 minutes and then somehow play every game like a cup final, um, you know, until you get that. I'm sure you guys are not new to it, you know, having experienced a similar thing last season as well when you were down to the bottom of the table the championship. So you have to be producing such a similar display, I mean, displays in every game um, for you to be back into reckoning. Um, and and if I were to count it as an achievement, even staying up like 17th or, you know, slightly above that, it still would be a massive achievement from where you are at the moment. Thank you very much, Bob. Now, Tom, you mentioned the league table a little earlier on. And... Um, Having looked okay when we recorded our um, discussion show midweek, it's it's not looking insurmountable, but the big concern is Forest goal difference, isn't it? So we're still obviously at the bottom of the table on nine points. Wolves are a point ahead of us. Leicester are a point ahead of them on 11. And then there's three teams on 12 and Bournemouth on 13 points in 14th position before we get to Everton and West Ham in 12th and 13 on 14 points. So if Forest can make hay with those home matches uh then then actually it could potentially results other results notwithstanding put them in a decent position before the world cup break but our goal difference is minus 20 which is by distance the worst in the league the next is bournemouth on minus 16 even wolves have got minus 13 um so these are the kinds of things we need to be avoiding these tankings don't we yeah, pretty much. And it's, we've had what um, the three away games we've had where we've had a turn tonking. Man City, we've let six in, four at Leicester, so obviously, then obviously five today, which is obviously 15 goals. And in those three games, we've scored no goals. Mm-hmm. And a lot, I mean, I, I got criticised after the Brighton game for being a bit um, depressed because of how we played, especially in that first half. 
Um, and goals are going to keep you in this league. But uh, okay, we did played really well last week against Liverpool. But um, yeah, one we've got to start stop having these uh, Tonkins away from home. And, and even if we are going to get a Tonkin, we need. You know, like when Leicester got uh, heavily beaten at Spurs, they still managed to score a couple of goals. We can't even do that, you know, just to bring our goal difference, well, minus goal difference, down a bit. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got to avoid these uh, Tonkins. Um, I mean, after the next two um, home games against Brentford and Palace, we've got Manu away and Chelsea. And, I mean, OK, I know Chelsea got beat 4-1 or whatever it was yesterday against Brighton. But, uh, yeah, we, we've got to, even if you're not going to win the game, and, OK, you might get beaten, but, Let's try, try and keep it down to two at least, to, just to give us a bit of a chance at the end of the season. Because you don't want to like go into the last few games of the season, you still got a chance in staying up. But then obviously your goal difference is um, against you. So yeah, we're stating the obvious. We've got to stop these uh, Tonkins, especially against the um, the big teams, and even with Leicester around us. And that was still a horrible night in Leicester um, a few weeks ago when we lost 4-0 against a team who are going to be in and around us come the end of the season. And it was nice of us to kickstart Leicester's season for them, wasn't it? So, um, I mean, the other thing that's becoming very apparent is that home form is going to, if Forrest are going to avoid the drop, and let's be honest, I think um, none of us want to get relegated, but I think there's a, a, a reasonable contingent of Forest fans who will accept that relegation is a possibility. But if it's going to happen, don't go down with a whimper. At least make a fight of it. And if we're going to do that, either have a good chance of staying up or to go down fighting, home form is going to be absolutely crucial, isn't it? So in that sense, it's a good job that we've got two home games coming up um and and we really need to i mean okay it's been it's not been plain sailing but generally at home the fans and the home atmosphere means that the players can't get away with with that kind of lack of application that we've seen in those three matches you've mentioned no definitely not then it, um but the thing is though from the west ham game to the Liverpool game, I know. Okay, we've got a draw in that against um, Villa, but even the between the two wins, it's too much far apart for my liking. To um, so yeah, it makes the next two games even more crucial because we missed an absolute golden opportunity uh, against um, Bournemouth from Fulham, yeah. and now we've got to um, then the next two games against um, Brentford and Palace. They just highlight the need for us to get. We've got to have a minimum of four points in in my eyes. If and I don't think just one win and a defeat. I think we've got to get at least four points to give us a, a chance going into the um, new year period, just after the World Cup. Yep, I, it's hard to argue with that. And with that, we're going to call an end to this match report. So I'm going to say a very big thank you to you, Tom. Thank you also to the Away Gooners uh, podcast for hosting you and contributing to today's match report. And thank you to you, listener, for joining us. I'm sorry it wasn't a happier occasion, but we will be back with a match report after the next two home matches um, and a bit of a discussion before we go into the World Cup break. So thanks for joining us and we'll catch you soon.
Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.